The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. There is a time for There is a time for answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate. There is a time for change. There is a time for truth. The time is now. Showtime. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland and welcome one and all to Night Fright. Tonight, folks, get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going, kick back on that big lazy boy chair. Great show for you tonight with Dr. Artie Clark. She's got two books out. One's called Sky People, Untold Stories of Alien Encounters in Mesoamerica. And the other one's Encounters with Star People, Untold Stories of American Indians. I'd like to welcome Dr. Artie Clark to the show for the second time. What are your speculations on the possibilities that aliens built the pyramids, not only in Egypt, as we've come accustomed to talking about, but also in Mesoamerica? Well, you know, um, I've asked that question of many people, yeah. you know, scholars on that, you sure. know, when I, you know, people, cultural specialists, elders, um, they all tell me they built the cities. And he said, the aliens are us. We were the ones who came from the stars. We were the ones that had the knowledge. And we built these cities. Our ancestors built these cities. And they said, unlike the Aztecs, for example, who believed that when Cortez and the, and the uh, conquistadors who came to this land were gods. We knew they weren't gods. We didn't see them coming as from a an advanced civilization because we were an advanced civilization, much more advanced than the Spaniards who came here. And they said, and we are um, a people that were never conquered by the Spanish. Um, there's a, a huge misconception that that uh, um, the the Spaniards simply took over the ancient cities, and that's not true because there were only a couple of them even operating at the time that, that uh, with people living in them at the time that uh, um, Cortez arrived. Uh, um, for most part, they had already been abandoned, and scientists today tell us that they're pretty well convinced that what happened to the Maya is that the Maya left those cities because of a hundred-year drought that literally was starving out the cities. You know, uh, you've got a city of 100,000 people, and you've got to support that city some way with food and um, 
a, a drought literally wiped them out. They couldn't feed that uh, city. So the people left, went into the jungle in small family groups, and there they could survive. Um, and uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me. When I, I look at the people, um, you know, all these little villages that grew up, I mean, there was even a group of, of my Indians that weren't even discovered until 1958, and they found them living the old ways um, of, of uh, the ancient Maya. Um, and, and today they still live that way. If you think about who built the cities, and, and uh, I, I'm convinced that the Maya built the cities. They don't have the skills today that they had in those days to build new cities. One elder talked to me about, he said, just think about this, 3,000 years from now. Say that, that uh, America, North America, it's all gone. Everything that you once knew has been destroyed, whether it's by war, uh, drought, some kind of an earthquake, a catastrophe. So what do the people do that survived that? Well, they get into small family groups and they try to survive. They hunt, they fish, they grow crops if they can. They do whatever they can to survive. He said, and now suppose a group of archaeologists go into New York City. New York City has been destroyed. And they start digging up the, the, the ancient city. And they come across uh, the Statue of Liberty and they call her the goddess of the flame. And they say, oh, the people of that time must have had a goddess of flame. That was one of their idols. And when you stop and think about that's the way the Maya have been judged. People say they didn't have that capability. So somebody from the stars must have come and built these cities. But it isn't, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. The Maya built those cities. The, the Maya were, you know, uh, repeatedly I was told the astronauts were us we were the ones who came and we were the ones who stayed and we didn't gain our knowledge here we brought our knowledge with us we didn't get our you know a, a, a lot of the indigenous stories talk about gods coming to them and setting out the rules of how they are to live the Maya don't have that the Maya say they brought all of that knowledge with them. And uh, so that puts a whole different perspective on it. Yeah, it sure does. Now, let me ask you this. I'm going to be bold enough to ask you this. What about the human sacrifices? Is there any truth to that with the Maya? Well, and, and that happened, you know, when the Maya were, were conquered, um, you know, by, by other uh, indigenous people in that region uh, who practiced human sacrifices. And, and the Maya, um, it became a part of, of, uh, um, of their religion as well. It wasn't their original religion, but it became a part, and they became uh, uh, very aggressive, you know, cities, fought cities. I mean, all of them for survival, uh, uh, capturing, of, you know, their, their, their places there. that were, One city was, was, uh, that I visited was, was literally called... Uh, the, uh, the city of celestial prisoners, uh, a city that had been built, and apparently this is where people uh, had been imprisoned, that they had uh, 
that uh, in a city they had fought. So there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of, of violence that occurred in the later years of, of Maya history, but it was violence that was introduced to them by other cultures. Now, I'm just curious out of all this wonderful work you've done, have you ever had any? reports of something that's called the chupacabra. Now, I know this was it originated from Puerto Rico, but I'm just wondering if there was any reports you came across of some kind of creature like this that could be interpreted as a chupacabra. Well, you know, um, uh, when I was in Honduras, um, um, there there was uh, some cattle mutilation that occurred on one of the ranches, ranches there. And um, they have stories there. Um, in one Honduran village, there were 300 goats that were killed in 50 days. And it gave rise to a lot of speculation, a lot of superstition. Um, some of the people blamed a, show, a shapeshifter. Um, according to them, uh, a shapeshifter um, can change its human form uh, uh, into any chosen animal, and they can transmogrify at night, attacking children and women and animals. Uh, some said it was a chupacabra. Some said it was a pack of wild dogs. And, and uh, I had been in Copan uh, for about a week and a half, when, and I would stop off. I would go to the, to the uh, ancient site early in the morning when it was cooler. And in the afternoons, when everybody uh, took their rest, I would go to this uh, little uh, um, restaurant and uh, get something cold to drink and and have something to eat. And um, I met a young woman there who told me about her husband that he he, he was having difficulty. Uh, his cattle, uh, some of his cattle had been killed. Mm. And she says something comes at night and kills them. And she said we don't know what to do. And she told me that. Alonzo, who was her husband, had hired people to to watch the cattle, but she said it isn't doing any good. They get killed anyway. And she said some people say it's a chupacabra. Uh, some people say that uh, on the nights that it happens, a UFO is seen. Uh, other belie- others believe it's a shapeshifter, someone in the village who doesn't like their his prosperity and how well he's doing and has placed a curse upon him and comes at night and kills his cattle. So um, I asked her if she thought Alonzo would talk to me, and he was very reluctant at first to talk, but at her urging, he agreed, and and he he told me um, uh, about the event. He said, I don't know what's happening. He said they, that he had found two cattle the week before I arrived, and he said both had their eyes removed and their tongues, and there was a hole in their heart, but no blood. And he said, I've never seen anything like it. He said there were no teeth marks or any indication that an animal was the culprit. And he said he had gone to the university people, and and uh, uh, he said that, um, uh, but they didn't have an answer. And he says some say it's chupacabras, but he says chupacabras are very vicious. And he says whoever is attacking my cattle knows about doctoring, he says, because when they cut out the eyes, they do it perfectly, like they were trained to do it. And um, uh, that was about all he had to say. But that night I went to the plaza, and uh, Julia and Alonzo showed up, and they they came to me with two companions, and 
they introduced them and said, these are the two men, Alberto and Pedro, and they hired him to look after the cattle. And uh, they said, Pedro says he saw a light in the sky around midnight, but doesn't remember anything else. And Alberto said he saw a UFO one night, but he didn't tell, tell me because he didn't want the people in the village to know. And I said, well, why not? And he says, because he doesn't want people to think that he's a bruo, like a witch. That the local priest says that they come from the devil. And uh, if we are seen around them that uh, we're dancing with the devil. And I said, well, what do you remember about that night? And he said, the one thing he remembered um, is that when he saw the UFO over the field above the cattle, it was very powerful. And I said, well, what do you mean by powerful? And he said that it caused him to have pinpricks all over his body, thousands of pins sticking into his body. And he said, I was in tremendous pain and I couldn't move. And he said, I know the UFO did that to me. And he said, I think I passed out from the pain because I don't remember anything until the next morning. And Pedro validated that. He said it, it was like thousands of needles sticking in your body. And he said, I tried to get away, but the pain was so bad I couldn't walk. And he said, I finally passed out from the pain. And I, I remember the next morning the sun coming up. And I went home. And he said, I didn't even know that two cattle were killed until the next evening when he met Alonzo and Alonzo told him that two of the cattle had been had been uh, uh, mutilated. Um, it almost sounds so, like he was hit by a taser when I, he talks. I, you know, I, you know? I, it would sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I never, I never thought about that, but I have heard of other incidences where people were paralyzed and taken on board a craft, and they thought they passed out from pain, but it may have been they were taken on board a craft. The Maya built a, a magnificent city on the Caribbean Sea, Coba, is, which is about 40 miles from Tulum. Um, it's a city of, of um, um, a lot of um, um, lakes and water, and um, he took me, um, took me around the site, and then he was telling me about seen an alligator taken on board a spacecraft and he said it just terrified him he couldn't believe that he said this alligator struggling in the sky as it was being taken on board he said this ufo came over this lake he was walking home from work and it came over this lake and took this alligator he told his wife and children to stay inside at night he didn't want them outside because they could take an alligator they could take his wife and children and he was very fearful of that. And he said a couple of nights later, he is back walking by the lake, going home after work. And the UFO reappears and dumps this alligator into the lake on the lake shore, takes another alligator, and the one they deposited was dead. Um, so he was very concerned about this. Heard stories of, of a buffalo being abducted, of horses being abducted. Um, of attempted abduction of dogs, and of, uh, I met a man who told me that his dog was actually abducted and operated on where his, his larynx was removed and he could no longer bark, and that the local vet had verified that this is what had happened to his animal, to his dog. 
there are a lot of stories out there of different kinds of animals being taken on board spacecraft and being mutilated. The Roswell incident, were there any stories by indigenous folks around Roswell uh, leading well, up encounters, to... you know, I have a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there is a chapter in the book about a, a young man who told me that when his grandfather was a young man, it was during the time of Roswell, um, that uh, he and some friends were out in the desert and came across a star man who had crashed. Uh, he wasn't sure that it was a Roswell event, but he was definitely sure, his grandfather was definitely sure that the man was from the stars, that he had been injured terribly in the in the crash, and that how they had stayed with him and cared for him until he passed, and they buried him in the desert. Oh my God! Any idea where in the desert? Well, I, I, I don't I know myself where it would be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his grandfather ever revealed that to him, but he said that the people weren't very trusting of the government, and therefore they want they weren't about to let the government have this this man he was very fearful of being of of being taken uh by um officials and so they protected him and stayed with him until he passed away wow that's an amazing story uh all these stories folks are in the two books that we're talking about tonight encounters with star people untold stories of american indians the other one is Sky People, Untold Stories of Amid Encounters in Mesoamerica. The author and our guest tonight, Dr. Artie Clark. Now, I would encourage all of you to go to www.nightfrightshow.com, click on tonight's guest book covers, and order the books. I mean, we're in the middle of winter right now, folks. Uh, these are great books to uh, get an education from. Um, they're great books to entertain yourself as well and learn something from them about our indigenous folks and let's face it we as us they as us as well so you're going to and be that's learning exactly what they say you know yep. in fact you know there's a a tribe down in the in the south south america down in the jungles uh that that that's what they say they're they're saying the word that they have for ufo and us are the same they say that the star people are us and we are them and I always find that because this is a very primitive tribe uh, in the Amazon, and uh, um, that that's what they believe. So when you start looking at some of the ancient peoples who have had less contact with the outside world, you find out amazing beliefs that they hold about the about the star people and the universe. Generally speaking, are the star people held in reverence? Well, I think uh, um, they are regarded with an enormous amount of respect by the older generation, younger people falling um, into the trap of, of fear. Then uh, I don't see that among among the older people. It's as though the older people expect that to happen. If uh, young people come from non-traditional families where the stories of the star people are not passed on, it's more likely that they have a fear of them than those who who have grown up listening to those stories. 
when you're gathering these stories and you reach out and you listen to the elders, you listen to people with these wonderful, wonderful stories, have you been approached by people that you can be assured that they're just trying to sell you bunk, so to speak? And how do you discern between the two? And I think I'm a fairly good judge of character. You know, I, I've, uh, I've spent my life, uh, you know, doing among indigenous people. Um, there's no reason for them to, uh, to uh, fabricate a story. And the people that come to me are are well-respected within their communities, are people that are not known to lie and to to tell stories. Um, and then I think, you know, just the sincerity with which they speak, the detail with which they give their stories. Um, authenticity? The, um, authenticity, the honesty, the sincerity. Mm-hmm. All of it adds up to, you know, people who are telling the truth. Uh, people who have stories to tell that have never told anyone, or at best have only told one or two people. Many of them tell me that when this occurred, they were told, if they say if they went to their mother and told their mother or their grandfather, they told them, let's not talk about it anymore. You know, don't, don't tell anyone uh, about what happened. So there was a lot of that, you know, where they were told, you know, uh, you've had a wonderful experience, now just keep it quiet. Nobody needs to know this happened. And they are amazing stories. And along with it, you know, I, you know, you just not only get a feel for the stories, but, you know, you get a, a broadening, uh, an understanding uh, to, to quite a degree of, of the cultures of the people, of, of the setting of where I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm collecting this information. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the differences between the various cultures and perhaps even the storytelling? Well, I think the difference between American Indians and and the indigenous people of Central America and Mexico is that Catholicism uh, and uh, uh, not only religion in general, but Catholicism and um, my I should say more than Catholicism. The Catholic Church uh, has a, shown a great deal of respect for Native traditions, surprisingly, uh, because they have been responsible for the destruction of the of the Maya culture. You know, like a Catholic bishop, Landa, was the one who burned all of the books, you know, the codices of the Maya people, because they recorded their history diligently in books. And Landa, who considered their religion and and their books and everything, uh, you know, a product of the devil, uh, gathered them all up and burned them. And uh, so much was lost. I mean, there's only three that survived, and they were out of the country at that time. Had already been taken away by the Spaniards. Evangelical Christian religions have made quite an inroad into uh, parts of, of that part of the world. And so a lot, I came across a number of people who told me that their preacher had told them that that UFOs were were from the devil. So I didn't find that among American Indians in the United States. I only find it, I only encountered it there. Um, It was not something that, uh, um, uh, but I ran ran across it. For example, I had a... um, this young couple uh, came to me, and 
and uh, the woman came and told me the story. I, I met with a group of women one night in, in Guatemala, and they had quite amazing stories to tell. But one young woman told me the story of, you know, she and her boyfriend, they, they were engaged, her sweetheart, and they were going to get married in the spring. And they had gone to the plaza at night, and they had uh, there's music and dancing, and they were walking home, um, and all of a sudden, this spacecraft appears, and and they're forced on board this craft, the two of them. And um, after after the abduction, um, she finds herself pregnant. And she's very concerned because she said she was a virgin. And so the two of them decide, her boyfriend decides, it's a virgin birth. And it must be like Mother Mary. And so he says, let's get married earlier so nobody will know. And so he became very protective of her because he knew that he had been abducted along with her. And so they were making plans to get married right away. And a few weeks later, this craft appears again, and they're taken on board. And when she is uh, back on Earth, she's no longer pregnant. Now, whether she was pregnant or not, I don't know, but she was convinced that she was. And her husband, uh, the man that she married was her fiancé at the time, uh, was convinced that that she was having um, a virgin birth. The outset of this being that she's never been able to have children either um, uh, is a a terrible, you know, concern for them because, you know, they were looking forward to having many, many children. She's never been able to have children. They told me they they both believed that that she was impregnated on that on that spaceship. So here you see the influence of religion coming in because explaining this pregnancy being a part of miraculous mm-hmm. conception, or mm-hmm. uh, and and now uh, you know where in the United States among American Indians, um, I only found one person talked to me about pregnancy, but she didn't couch it in those terms. You know, in Mexico, yes, and in Central America. I mean, you know, you talk about devotion to a religion. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, uh, the devotion that that the Native people there have to Catholicism. Mm. But what is happening is um, you're, you're seeing inroads made where the evangelicals are making inroads. I mean, I was in this one little town, a little village of probably 50 people out in the middle of a jungle. And... There's no electricity, there's no running water, there is absolutely nothing. And I had heard of this ancient city that was in the in the jungle, but they said, well, you can't drive there because it's the roads are impassable. So I went there looking for a local person in that community that could perhaps take me to this city. I go in and, and of course, when I, when I get to the village, you know, immediately I come to a stop because... Uh, a mother sow and her 20 piglets are walking across the road. And then the, you have to make way for the chickens and the dogs that are lying in the streets, you know, sunning themselves. 
And then, of course, the children are, you know, uh, uh, playing and, and, of course, coming up to the car and, and uh, you know, you have to stop and give them candy or give them something because coins, they won't move unless you do. And um, in this village of about 40 people, there was a Catholic church, a Mormon uh, house of worship, a Jehovah Witness house of worship. Holy cow. And, and a Baptist church in a community of 40 people. I mean, it's just amazing how these religions, um, you know, just just go into these small communities. And, and one of the things, and I was talking mm-hmm. to my guys about this, and he said one of the reasons why people are leaving the Catholic Church in these villages is that a lot of these evangelicals or these different groups come in, and they have dinners for them. And so they'll feed them on Sunday afternoon after church services, or they'll feed them on Wednesday night for Bible study. So people come to eat, and they stay and listen to the preacher. Isn't that um, interesting? And I see that here in Montana. You know, we have a, we have a lot of the cowboy churches here. Sure. Um, and they always feed the people. That's a good way to draw people in, I suspect. Sure it is. Sure yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, people come in for the camaraderie sure. and for, you know, they live out, you know, uh, mm-hmm. away and they don't have uh, a lot of opportunity to sit and share a meal with other people and to catch up on the gossip. And so they come to the Cowboy Church and, and it's the same thing there where you see people. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. But the Catholic Church is starting to suffer a little bit in that part of the world because of the evangelicals. And also you've got, you know, these uh, um, uh, evangelical imitators of, you know, the Benny Hens and, and mm. the people that are on American television. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're down there in, in Mexico and, and Honduras and those places preaching the gospel, too, on television. In your gatherings of all these stories, you know, they're talking about the sky people. How do these people that embrace Catholicism and Christianity, how do they equate the two with each other? Well, I don't think they do. Ah, I think that it's completely yeah. separate, you know, except for those who are, like I say, the, the, the Catholics are very accepting of UFOs. And, and so mm-hmm. they, they are, in fact, um, one of the, one of the, most interesting interviews I had was with a Catholic priest who told me that when he was a boy, um, he said he was in bed asleep, and uh, he had three brothers where where in the well, he was in his hammock, and uh, but three he, he and three brothers, uh, three other brothers shared sleeping space. He was awakened in the middle of the night with these bright lights. Now he said that. You know, his village had no electricity, so this was unusual in itself. And he had only seen electric lights once, he said, until this night. And so he jumped up and tried to wake up his brothers. He couldn't wake them up. And so he crawled out the window, and he went in search of these lights. And he told me, he said it was so bright that when he closed his eyes, he could still see the light. And he said that he came upon this star man who told him uh, not to be afraid, and he said that he just exuded so much love and kindness 
said I was just overwhelmed. And he said, I sat there and I watched my the villagers stand in line and go on board this spacecraft. He tried to pull his friend out of out of the line and his friend wouldn't go, that that the people seemed to be mesmerized. And he was very worried about this and he said that that uh, the star man told him, Don't worry, tomorrow you'll forget all about this. Huh. And he said, No, I won't and, and he said the star man explained to him that that most People never remember that something happens to them. But if they do remember, they don't worry about it because nobody is going to believe them anyway. And so if if 10% of the people can't be controlled, their minds can't be controlled, those 10% come forth and say, I was abducted by a UFO. People are going to make fun of them anyway and not believe them. So they don't worry about that 10%. And so, and then, you know, if they're hypnotized and they do remember, most people don't believe in hypnosis. So they'll be discredited as well. So he said, I told myself, I will remember. So he reached down and he picked up a, 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 a rock I was by his foot. And he said, I told myself, I'm going to take this rock home and I'm going to place it by my sandals. If I get up in the morning and that rock is by my sandals, I will know this was not a lie and that it did happen and it wasn't a dream. If tomorrow I get up and the rock is not there, then I know that it was a dream. Hmm. And he said he got up the next morning and the rock was there and he knew that he had not been dreaming. And he said, but the star men had a lasting impact on his life because of the kindness and the overall love that he felt in the presence of this being, he became a priest because wow. he wanted to share that kind of love with other people. So he so felt love that when that he was, was a very yeah. powerful story. He felt love when he was on board the ship then. Right. Interesting. Felt very safe, felt tremendous amount of love. And as a result, became a priest. That's an incredible story. That's a great one. Yeah. Dr. Clark, I've been meaning to ask you, I've been dying to ask you this next question. Have you had any personal experiences? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Can you and, tell us one? That's probably one of the reasons why, you know, I have, have uh, you know, had this interest over time is that, you know, throughout my life, I've had had those kind of experiences, and and uh, so I, you know, um, I try not to to, you know, um, I try not to be judgmental because I have had uh, encounters with UFOs, and uh, um, I I don't know, just believe I know they exist, and. Uh, um, and and whether or not um, they come, uh, I, I've seen them more, uh, you know, I've seen them several times and had encounters several times. It's because they do follow individuals. There there are some researchers who say that they choose someone early in life and they follow them throughout life. Um, I don't know if that is true. I have had people tell me that they have... Um, been repeatedly abducted um, for uh, over a long period of, of, of their lives. 
Have you had any personal encounters with aliens? Yes, but I really don't want to discuss it because, you know, it's a story I haven't told yet. Okay, fair enough. I'm very curious, Have has anybody in your journeys described an alien that would look like a fireman? A fireman? Yeah. The, the only thing that, that uh, I've encountered are people who talk about uh, aliens who um, uh, are like, um, although they have human form, they exude a lot of energy light or are balls of light that tra- that move back and forth between human form and, and light energy. But nothing like fire as we know it. You mean like a like no, fire a f- in a... That, no, a fireman. You know, yeah, fireman. I'll tell you why. I had a, a guest on the show, and uh, he'd gone through repeated abductions, and I asked him to describe the alien that took him, and he said, what time? Because I've been abducted since I was a child. I said, well, I said, the first time. And he said, well, I was around eight years old. The starship came down, opened up its door, and it came a fireman. Now, I never thought anything of it until several weeks later when somebody that never listens to my show or he's a minister, has nothing to do at all with uh, aliens or the paranormal or anything, came to me and he said, I have an abduction story to tell you, and it's mine. And he said, I was outside in a third world country, outside the hut with my brother. I was six, he was eight. A starship came down, the door opened, and out came a fireman. And Interesting. I thought, yeah, and I thought... When you were saying fireman, I thought you were talking about somebody on fire. Oh, I'm sorry, um, I should have been clear. Yeah, you know, um, I've had people tell me about uh, thinking that the, uh, these small creatures were, were children mm. and that they came and they played with them and they thought they were just playing with children. Interesting. And, and what a great time they had. And then as they grew older, they realized that they were not children when they would come for them. But it, when they were small, they thought that they were just their playmates, but never a fireman. But never a fireman. That's very interesting. Yeah, I was just curious. I just thought I'd throw that no. out there to see. Uh, no, because I haven't heard that. That's a very interesting story. The commonalities. Is there a common thread that weaves its way through all these stories? There seems to be several themes. Uh, themes of uh, the Earth is headed for disaster. Hmm. The word Earth is doomed. That if we don't take care of this planet, you know, there, you know, uh, some some bad things are going to happen. Um, there's a, you know, that apocalyptic theme that that uh, um, I've heard uh, a few times. You know, when mm-hmm. I listen to those stories, it's it 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 reminds me of like New Age concepts. That you know the you know like the world's going to end in 2012 with the Maya calendar coming right. to an end, and yet um, the people that that I'm talking to are people who not necessarily have have uh, um, been exposed to a lot of those things through the media, but it may be again that religious aspect hmm. of uh, heaven and hell and the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and all that kind of stuff. It may be coming from that. 
um, that, you know, that whole idea that that bad things are going to happen and, you know, the environment is being destroyed. and and uh, But that seems to be something that I've heard uh, probably uh, more than anything else. Is there any common theme in terms of a rebirth or renewal that we're going to make it no. through? Well, no. No. And there's nothing uh, like uh, that, you know, uh, the, I've heard people say, well, the aliens are going to come and save us. Uh, that is not something that I've heard. I, I had one person tell me that uh, in all the interviews that, that, that the aliens are going to come and save save the Indians. And, and uh, uh, he was convinced of that, you mm-hmm. know, that he had gone on board a spacecraft and they told him that, you know, when when it came time for the earth to be destroyed, that uh, they would come back for him and for Indian people. Uh, but, you know, that's not a common theme. Okay, not at all. Is there a common theme then of perhaps a disclosure at one point where they will make themselves known publicly? You know, most of the people I talk to who uh, who do not regard the, the star people as ancestors, okay, mm-hmm. but regard them as different races that live on different planets or different beings that inhabit other planets. Understood. One, one of the things that, uh, that kept popping up was that um, disclosure was not anywhere in the near future, that there just wasn't nothing common with the human race that the star people or the sky people really cared about announcing themselves to the world of humans because um, basically we just weren't advanced enough. I can understand that. We're still shooting each other's butts off. To me, if anything else, the human race is more of a threat to uh, to intergalactic peace than anything else. Well, and and I've been told that they watch us for that reason. That's one of the reasons they observe us. And, you know, many of the accounts that, that you heard back in the, in the, during the Cold War period, and even, you know, I can remember a number of accounts, you know, who used to have those silos all over this western right. part of the United sure, States. Sure. I mean, I get in my car and drive to reservations, and out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere along these rural highways, these two-lane highways would be missile sites, you know, and and uh, repeatedly I've heard stories of how they would hover over those missile sites. And uh, so, and these were nuclear weapon sites. That's right. And Terrible. they were proliferated throughout Wyoming and the Dakotas and Montana because, you know, I mean, they located them out here because... There's fewer people out here if if they decide to try to take out these missile sites that the enemy did, you know, they would kill less people than they would, you know, if they were located next to a, a huge population area. So they were very common to see them out here, and there were many stories during that time of, of uh, UFOs hovering over these missile sites. And even t- there's a, a very famous story uh, in the archives, folks, you can check it out. Uh, where a UFO hovers over a missile silo and, and takes control of it. And uh, they had no yes. control 
at all over the the, uh, the weapons that were at their fingertips. Uh, the aliens had taken it over. Maybe just to say that, you know, you're playing with fire here. Virtually you found the matches. Be careful. You don't burn everybody along with yourself. And I think that... Yeah, I don't know what's happened. You know, those missile sites aren't... aren't uh in operation anymore. I don't know where they took the missiles or if they're still there, but there's nobody guarding the uh, guarding the sites anymore. From what I understand, they took them out of the uh, the silos because everything is on submarines at this point. That's they sure aren't out here anymore, you know, because, I, like I said, you know, I you couldn't drive out. You know, the reservations, most of the reservations are fairly unpopulated, isolated areas to begin with. Right. Um, you know, in this part of the northern plains, and and uh, um, you know, I, they were all you know, and they're always right along the side of the road for ease of access to sure, get to, you know, but for the military. Where do they come from? Is there any common consensus where they herald from? Are they interdimensional travelers, the aliens? I don't think they're interdimensional, although there there was a uh, more than once I've heard that. There is um, a what they call a universal highway, hmm. and, and that once you enter the universal highway, that you can think of a place you want to be, and you're immediately there. Dr. Artie Clark's our guest tonight, folks. We're talking about her new book, um, Sky People, Untold Stories of Alien Encounters in Mesoamerica, and her other book, which is Encounters with Star People, Untold Stories of American Indians, www.nightfrightshow. As usual, just click on tonight's guest book cover, order the book. So nobody's really sure where they herald from. Uh, any idea if there's any stories, uh, aliens, alien moon bases on the moon, on Mars? Well, I haven't uh, come across. I any. haven't heard any of those stories, but no, I don't know that I would... I would be privy to that kind of thing. I okay. I have been told that uh, by uh, pilots, Air Force pilots, that they have pursued UFOs, yeah. that they do exist, and that uh, I had one pilot tell me that he felt like he was uh, he was flying a plane of the Wright brothers whenever he, uh, he tried to one. pursue um, a UFO over. South Dakota, he said he, you know, Kansas, and he said that, you know, it's like the UFO was just playing with him. Gotcha. Uh, it could maneuver at such speeds and and um, acrobatic um, abilities that, that they made them feel like they were uh, uh, the Wright brothers who flew the first plane mm -hmm. at Kitty Hawk. Just trying to keep up and chasing them and everything. Right. Yeah, they just go. They just go. Are they living amongst us right now? Are they inhabiting this planet by choice? Are they just visiting when they come here? I've had many people tell me that they have seen uh, aliens brought down to wow. Earth and taken away. I met a woman in Alaska who told me the story mm -hmm. of, of following a group in an automobile that went to an the airport mm -hmm. and they were dropped off I have been told stories by uh, an elder um, who said that they w came down in a car from a UFO and that 
when the car left, it was filled with uh, what looked like people, and when it came back, it was empty. Um, so there are many stories out there of people who believe that the aliens live among us. Um, I was told a story yes. that uh, uh, they come and they they live on Earth for 16 years, and then they leave. And during that 16 years, they attempt to help scientists and other peoples in positions of power and knowledge to, to uh, make progress and to do positive things, and then they go away for 16 years. And he told me that they're due back in 2016. Jeez, that's so, only a stone's uh, throw away. It's not far at we, all. We, I think we need their help, all we can get. <laughs> okay, serious question. Who invented Facebook? Is that their, is that their doing? <laughs> That sounds like a man-made thing. I'm just teasing because we started it with Facebook. And uh, we all know that there's pros and cons to Facebook without question. And certainly one of the cons is I think it drives people uh, apart and into a machine instead of directing uh, and listening to our elders. And, you know, I love sitting and listening to elders everywhere and getting their stories because they went through it. There's a vast wealth of knowledge right there at your fingertips. Grandchildren, talk to your grandparents. Talk to your parents. You'd be surprised at how much knowledge they actually really have (laughs) and common sense. Um, I think uh, it's paramount in today's world to be uh, in touch with your fellow person, not just your little thing at your fingertips. Our guest tonight, of course, has been Dr. Artie Clark. Dr. Clark, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming on It's been wonderful talking to you, and hello to all my friends out there in Canada. you got to come up. you got to come up. We're going to go to a powwow on Manitoulin Island, you and I. How's that That sound? That sounds great, yeah. (laughs) Had a blast there. A couple of years ago, we went to a powwow there. Just terrific. Dr. Artie Clark, folks, the book's Encounters with Star, Star People, Untold Stories of American Indians, the other book, Sky People, Untold Stories of Alien Encounters in Mesoamerica. Easy way to get the, the books, folks, www.nightfrightshow.com. Kelly Logue, thank you so much for keeping the website together and doing all you do to keep it together. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. Thank you all for joining us tonight. See you next time. Witness accounts. Order yours right now. Nightfrightshow.com. <laughs>